I, I always wonder, the female puppet, where do those slug monsters keep coming from? Rarely will a prequel kind of outshine the original, but I feel like in this case, it really does. She's really super adorable in this because she's like at a carnival getting a, her fortune read and basically deciding that the guy who's with her is kind of beneath her. It's very cute. He is. <laughs> well, it's playtime this time out on the Fright Club podcast. We're going to play with our dolls. Creepy ass dolls. I think we have that book somewhere. No, that's a great book, by the way. Creepy ass dolls. These dogs are creepy. Welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. Talking about creepy dolls, our favorite creepy dolls in horror, and it should be fun. We've got a special guest, but we're also talking about the great response we got last week when we started. It was part one of our look at our favorite side characters that we think deserve their own movies, and we just did the ladies last time, and it went over pretty well. It did. It did. And and it, it's a fun topic, though. So I wasn't super surprised that people liked it. Omar thinks that Mrs. Baylock from The Omen, her standalone film should be about her working as a substitute teacher. Yeah, I don't think too many people would be acting up no. when, when <laughs> Mrs. Baylock is in charge. <laughs> and when we did ours, you and I talked about, you I think in particular, you were just curious who could possibly play a young mini Castavet if we were to do, we talked about doing... Uh, the Roman and Minnie Castavet early years. <laughs> yeah. And Nathan thought Sarah Silverman would be a good... That's I like that. Other than, and it's not a big thing, other than the physical size difference. I mean, Ruth Gordon, obviously a pretty small human. Right. But I think that's a good... I could definitely see her doing that. She could get her voice probably very similar and with the attitude. That could work. Yeah, I think so too. And then Andrew agreed with us that Tangina, she needs a whole series. She needs like her own sort of the Conjuring series, the oh, Tangina yeah. files. That yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. Total sense. I love it all. Yeah. Speaking of Andrew, we just wanted to thank him again. He had us on his Freaks and Psychos podcast, and we talked about the movie Relic and about dementia and horror, and it was just a great time. Such a good show, so you guys should check that out. Yeah, that was that was different because that was a deep dive. I mean, he, he gets into it, and I love it. Every every podcast has their own thing. Uh, we try to make ours a little more, you know, a little more streamlined, a little more brief, but uh, he really digs deep and he does a great job at it. And uh, when, yeah, we were, we're glad to be, uh, be a part of it. It came out really well. It did. It did. And another one, and this is not horror, but it is another one that we were lucky enough to, to guest on and another one that digs deep. I mean, they go scene by scene. They're called Trash Watch. And it's, it's just a fun group. It's a funny, funny podcast. And they had us on to talk about Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, um, <laughs> which we had, we had a great time. I want to thank them for having us on, too. Yeah, you can check that out. That was fun. So um, that was what's happened in the last few weeks. Uh, we do have some exciting news about what may be coming up or what is coming up in the next uh, several weeks. But uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. We got some creepy ass dolls to talk about and uh anything other than being creepy and being ass and being a doll <laughs> any anything else that qualifies you for this podcast well i don't they're not all strictly speaking dolls we gave the okay to puppets and mannequins that kind of a thing that kind of, as, as long as you are inanimate and uh and have a face <laughs> okay <laughs> And how did this come about? Was this our special guest idea? It kind of was, actually, because we have been kicking around doll houses because Katie, uh, Pina Joe, she she requested doll houses. And our special guest reached out and said, well, what about dolls? Like, have you done anything on dolls yet? And I said, well, I know, Phantom Dark Dave, we haven't. <laughs> Do you want to come on and talk about dolls? And he said, yes. Hi, Dave. What's up, Fright Club? It's a good idea. <laughs> From Dollhouses, which we will 
we will do at some point, but we might as well start with the dolls first. And with that being said, the only other golden rule we had was that we were focusing on the film. It had to be relevant to the doll being a part of the film, but we weren't concentrating necessarily on the doll as an individual character because that could be a totally different list. Yeah, exactly. All right. That's fair. That's good to know. And I wanted to somehow include my Steve Austin's $6 million man doll when I was a kid, but I guess that doesn't really qualify. It does not. Uh, no. And I'm sorry we have that. <laughs> That's probably worth a ton of money now. <laughs> Let's sell it. I wish I had that. No, I don't have it anymore. I wish I had that. I wish I had the Evil Knievel thing, too, but we've, we've gone over that. Anyway, we're talking about the creepy-ass dolls, and as long as they have a face, <laughs> they qualify. So what gave, what, what gave you this idea, Dave? It was just talking about the dollhouses? Well, as you guys know, I've been a long-time listener, huge fan of the Fry Club. Thank you. And I was going through a lot of the resume, and I'm like, you get to that point where you guys come up with an idea that most folks never come up with, you know, like toilet horror and things of that <laughs> nature. And I'm like, what about dolls? Like the simplicity of, have you talked about dolls? And uh, it just seemed like that hadn't been brought up too much, and I thought it'd be really cool, and I'm a fan, so here we are. Well, thank you. Yes, we that more evidence that we go for highbrow, <laughs> right? <laughs> toilet horror. Who else is going to care enough to do toilet horror? <laughs> no, it's one of those that seems like we should have done by now. It is. Yeah, because, I'm actually really surprised we haven't. Yeah, done because dolls people, before. a lot of people are scared of dolls, mm -hmm. and there's, I know there's one on uh, on this list where I remember as being a kid that the the trailer itself caused all kinds of headlines because it scared everybody. But we'll get to that. We've got. Two lists that, that sort of uh, overlap a little bit. We do. And uh, and so sometimes we'll go 5544, five, but this time what we're going to do is just let Dave kick it off and run us through his until his uh, top couple, and that's when we will jump in. Okay, yeah, that's when we've got the uh, the overlap. All right, that's fine. So, Dave, why don't you start us off with your number five most creepy, horrific doll? Ironically, it's called Dolls from 1987. I'm a doll maker. <laughs> I make the most wonderful toys. Dolls, puppets, soldiers, ballerinas. Nobody wants a doll that's special anymore, that's one of a kind. A movie that is produced by Charles Band. Written by Ed Naha, who did things like Troll and Bud the Chud, but got his fame from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and directed by the late and great Stuart Gordon, which everybody who listens to your podcast knows who that is, and even features Stuart Gordon's wife, Carolyn Purdy Gordon. The reason that this movie makes my list isn't because it's a overall great movie, but the effects for the time period are remarkable, so much so that this movie spent an extra year in production just because they had to deal with things like puppets, marionettes, stop motion animation, animatronics, like Charles Brand, he brought everything to the list. And this movie, you know, it wasn't the first movie to use killer doll, but I think it was the first to use this amount of killer dolls. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think, um, and then the, the, the different types of dolls, you know, uh, I thought that was really an impressive element to this one. And it has that kind of, yeah, I mean, it's definitely cheesy and very, very 80s, but it has that sort of particular brand of cheesy 80s that Stuart Gordon brought to stuff like like Reanimator and, and the rest of his films. I mean, it does have a really nostalgic quality, I think, to it. It does. And it has such an awesome setting. Just anytime you can get locked up in an old kind of creepy gothic hammer horror style mansion, it's, you're in for a good time. Yeah, no, exactly. You're exactly right there. 
Okay, that's a good one. Good start uh, from 1987. Just Dolls from Stuart Gordon. All right, moving up to, well, you're about the same time period here with number four, uh, late 80s, right? Right, a movie that was actually inspired by Dolls from 1989, the original Puppet Master. They have given life to a deadly power. We're all in danger. And now a box of little toys. I think someone's in the room, Frank. Has become a gang of little terrors. Irene Miracle, Paul Lamatt, Barbara Crampton, and William Hickey as... You are blood of my blood. The Puppet Master. The same year that Lewis from Christmas Vacation, he's in this movie. He plays Andre Toulon, who is a puppet maker. It's William Hickey uh, in his perfect voice. Oh, yeah. We probably mentioned him when we talk about voices in horror sometime because he's one of those guys that when you hear the voice, it's like no one else. That's who that is. That's William Hickey. It's great. <laughs> And he has a lot of movies to his credit, too. But this movie in particular, the reason it makes number four and kind of just it climbs above dolls is something that you mentioned, Hope, about the different types of dolls. But where I felt this movie, all the dolls had their own each and individual personality. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's funny, um, uh, both of these films were on my on my short list. And I had I had Puppet Master just above dolls for the same reason I thought that. And I, I thought that the individual puppets were more interesting. And, uh, you know, everybody has their favorite of the puppets, but I, I always wonder, the female puppet, how does she get those? Where do those slug monsters keep coming from? Like, where, how did they get inside her to start with? And But that's always the grossest thing. This She starts off with these sort of kissy noises, then you look over and she's just out this giant slug. It was really disturbing. Yeah, she basically regurgitates leeches. And she's actually, it's oddly enough, my favorite doll out of all of them. Oh, yeah, mine too. And, you know, the main doll in this movie is Blade, who is so iconic to be on every single cover. Because this franchise has 13 sequels somehow. But uh, <laughs> did you know that Blade was based on an actor that you guys love, Klaus Kinski? <laughs> I did not know that. And now that you say it, I can definitely see that. That's hysterical. And we should mention, too, this this also uh, features a cameo from our new friend, Barbara Crampton. That's right. That's right. And she's actually, she's really super adorable in this because she's like at a carnival getting a, her fortune read and basically deciding that the guy who's with her is kind of beneath her. It's very cute. He is. <laughs> That's a good one from uh, 1989. Dave's number four is the iconic puppet master. So we move up to, we get a little closer, get a little more recent for your number three. That's right. We're going to, everybody knew this was going to happen. We're going to dive into the Conjuring franchise with Annabelle Creation. Your sister is coming after me. Who? In the evil presence. It's because I'm the weakest. It's the doll. The devil. Annabelle? This movie is the fourth installment in the Conjuring franchise, and rarely will a prequel kind of outshine the original, but I feel like in this case, it really does. 
I'm such a sucker for these kind of movies, and I really pay attention to the atmosphere. And what's more like scarier than just kind of an isolated farmhouse surrounded by a whole bunch of creepy things? Orphans. That's uh, <laughs> I think yeah, this movie was one that I really expected to to love. First of all, it's 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 far and away a better, scarier movie than Annabelle. Annabelle was pretty lackluster, really, I thought. And they had a good spark of something with what they did in the first Conjuring film when they introduced this doll. I just don't think that the the first Annabelle movie really did much with it. I, I wanted to like the second one. There were some creepy moments to it. It fell apart for me a little bit with the nun and the Catholic business not really working out. A little bit. <laughs> you practically were throwing things at the screen when we saw it. A little bit. <laughs> but there are some really creepy things. Although I have to say that if you, you know, if you're a doll maker and your daughter was possessed by a demon and now your wife can't ever leave her bedroom because her eyes have been clawed out by demon doll, but the doll is somewhere chained up in your house. Why do you think to yourself, we should let orphans live here? <laughs> well, it, this is a good uh, example of what a smart choice it was to not make, because anybody that has done spent some time with this franchise probably knows that the real Annabelle is a raggedy and doll, not very scary looking. So they redesigned it and got this creepy ass Annabelle. And we found out when we got to spend time with, you know, one of the one of the Annabelle recreations that people, especially man, if you have it in your house, if you have it in your car, if you have it in your person, they don't want anything to do with you. No, they freak right the fuck out. <laughs> I mean, when I we still have that picture of you guys saved when you were posing with the Annabelle doll. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, look, these are my friends. Yeah. And when, That's awesome. And when we told people, no, we we took it home and we kept it in our house and overnight. And people were like, you did not. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. <laughs> we posed her all over the place and we took did. pictures and sent them to my sisters. Yeah. <laughs> She's a sweetheart. But the, <laughs> No, but it was a, it's a great look and a, and a creepy doll. And yeah, I, I agree with you about this one being scarier, creepier, and overall the um, feel of it, uh, regardless of the Catholic stuff, yeah. is, is better than the first Annabelle. We think it got better as it went on from there, but that's jumping ahead a little bit. So Annabelle Creation, number three on Dave's list of creepy dolls from 2017. Okay, so now we'll start getting into our list a little bit because this is where we have some nice overlap. So our number five is actually number two on Dave's list. And this is from 2007. It's a young widower returning to his hometown to search for answers to his wife's murder, which may be linked to the ghost of a deceased ventriloquist. It's dead silence. What an underrated gem. I believe that so often when James Wan is brought up in conversation, it's either Saw or Insidious or The Conjuring. And dead silence is a love letter to classic horror films. Well, unfortunately, the dead silence was the reaction from the audience when it came out because it was such a flop. They had plans to you know, hope to do at least one sequel, and they were quickly abandoned because nobody went to see this, pretty much. And that is kind of too bad. I mean, I think that they had something going here. Uh, ventriloquist dolls are creepy. Ventriloquists are creepy. And I think they had... Um, one of the things that I think they, they did really nicely was kind of paying homage with the different... Because she had Mary Shaw. She had 101 uh, dolls. 
So so when you when you sort of pan those dolls, you get all of the looks, you know, Toy Story 4, that creepy looking doll from Toy Story 4 from Goosebumps out, that sort of classic tuxedo to gentlemen. They have this awesome clown at the end, very similar to the, the doll in, in uh, Poltergeist, the clown doll in Poltergeist. And uh, and they and the they have the the doll the clown actually has like the jigsaw circle uh, spiral pardon me on its head so so you know they do they give a lot of nice nods to um, this type of horror throughout the 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 whole genre um, and also Mary Shaw is played by Judith Roberts who was the beauty across the hall and Eraserhead so uh, yeah nice got a tender a tender in my heart for her yeah but apparently Lee Wanell was so unhappy with the way the movie turned out because of all the the people from the studio sticking their fingers in uh, he decided from then on to write all future scripts on spec as opposed to pitching the idea to the studio and then being paid to write the screenplay which is what happened here so yeah he was a he was none too happy, so maybe that's, who knows, maybe that's part of the reason it didn't pan out as a box office hit, maybe, because it wasn't quite the vision that he really wanted when he started, when he signed up for it. One of the things I find really interesting about this movie is that is the, the Donnie Wahlberg character. He plays this very sort of Columbo-esque detective, and it's so out of, like, step with the rest of the movie. I mean, he's this comic element in this sort of trench coat, and he says all these weird things, and it's so... It's. I mean, it's entertaining, but it's just so not in keeping with the rest of the tone of the film. It always throws me. What is it about the Wahlbergs and their natural ability to always play a copper detective? <laughs> it's always believable. I know I showed this movie to Julie last night, and I'm actually thankful that Donnie Wahlberg was in this movie being awkward and being the Columbo character that you mentioned, because otherwise this movie would have scared her to death. <laughs> you know what was cool, though? The year that came out, 2007... It was turned into one of the haunted houses at Universal's Halloween Horror Nights that year in Florida, which we went to, I don't know how many years ago, five or six. And uh, if you get the chance to go, it's really cool. I really enjoyed that. It is. It is really cool. And I can see where, because, the you know, they take you to that. There's sort of this, you have to take a canoe to get there, which makes it seem like it wouldn't have been a very good amusement park at the time. But there was this big haunted house where Mary Shaw lived that at one point had been her, her theater, and that I can see that being turned into a very cool haunted house. Yeah, that's that, that was a lot of fun. So number five on our list, number two for Dave, it's Dead Silence from 2007. Moving up to number four. This is number four on our list of creepy, horrific dolls from 1988. Isolated by his strange parents, Leon finds solace in an imaginary friend, which happens to be an anatomy doll from his father's doctor's office. Unfortunately, the doll begins to take over Leon's life and his sister's as well. This is Pin. If you want to get closer to Leon, you'll have to take care of Pin before Pin takes care of you. Is Pin a friend? No. Oh, please. Or an enemy? Only Leon knows. What have you done? What have you done? What am I going to do? Pin, some friendships die hard. Dude, how weird is this movie? Very. It's a very weird movie. <laughs> very. <laughs> and Pin is their best friend and sort of their babysitter and also anatomically correct 
Um, and that's an unusual choice to make with small children. I mean, that's going to cause some sort of effect. And it really screwed up Leon in a massive, massive way. This movie is so just odd. It's so unusual. And it's funny because the movie that I, years later I saw the movie The Pit, which could also easily be on this list. And it's about a, a disturbed blonde young Canadian boy whose teddy bear, one of those really beat up sort of carnival teddy bears, he thinks is telling him to feed his babysitters to these monsters who are in the pit in the backyard or out in the woods. It's a much more confused film because there's also there's the the teddy bear, but there's also a pit full of monsters in the backyard. It, it gets very sort of off the rails. But I love I love Pin. I love how weird it is. I love the bizarre directions that it takes. I love Leon's performance. David Hewlett plays Leon. And then Terry O'Quinn, the stepfather, he, of course, is the, the dad who is of no help to anyone ever. It's just the weirdest movie, and I definitely think not enough people have seen it. Yeah, and the funny thing is that you mentioned uh, David Hewlett. The movie that Leon and Marcia see while on their date is Scanners, and then he went in, he went on later to star in Scanners 2, The New Order. <laughs> You guys know what I love about your podcast more than anything else? You've never ceased to amaze me with movies I had never discovered before. And so (laughs) I never even heard of this movie until it was on your list. And I looked it up and I was like, the stepfather's in it? And I'm actually a fan of David Hewlett because I used to watch Stargate Atlantis back when it aired on TV. And so diving into it, you're also telling me that this movie has a script written by the same guy that wrote the script for Amityville Horror in 1979. Sign me up, please. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and it's got that trope that a lot of movies and horror movies have done, the the loner, the awkward guy. They kind of did that in, in Ben and Willard, you know, that needs a friend, and then the friend has takes them down some dark paths. Yeah, it's usually sort of this, you know, uh, an animation of their id, and we'll actually get into that right. in a lot of the other films <laughs> here. The dolls in these movies, especially ventriloquist dolls, that's what they tend to represent for these for these twisted characters. Yeah, I think Leon is is one of the greats in, in in terms of that particular type of character. I think you're right, though, Dave. Even though this is, you know, it's 1988, so late 80s, not an ancient movie, but I think this is one that has slipped through the cracks for a lot of people. It oh. did, because it didn't go to theater. No, not here anyway. I mean, it's a Canadian film, and uh, but no, I mean, it's one that I don't even know how I've heard of it. I don't even know why I know this movie, but I love it. Maybe you should do some... <laughs> Long, hard thinking about that. Uh, no, it's a good one. It's a, uh, we, uh, I appreciate that comment, Dave, because I think that's one that we've heard before and is very gratifying, I think, especially to you, because you're the one that picks these, that finds these movies that, that people haven't heard of before and maybe want to go out and check out now. Yeah, that is actually one of my yeah. favorite things to do. So thanks for telling us, Dave. <laughs> I'll tell you guys one thing. If you want to watch this movie... You're going to have to find it quick because you can not rent it in many places. And if you want to buy it, this movie is such a cult classic that it's expensive. I was checking out VHS, DVD, and Laserdisc, of all things, prices. And you can't, you can't score this thing cheaper than 50 to 75 bucks. Wow. Yikes. And it's going to go up even more now that we mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> Pin from 1988, uh, number four on our Creepy Doll list. Moving up to number three. We're back to the, the Conjuring universe. While babysitting the daughter of Ed and Lorraine Warren, a teenager and her friend, Unknowingly awaken an evil spirit trapped in a doll. This is 2019's Annabelle Comes Home. What did you do? I let her out. Who? Annabelle. I'm sorry. What else did you touch? Everything. Can I play with Annabelle? I think you have the wrong house. There's no Annabelle here. 
This is the uh, seventh in the Conjuring universe, third movie in the Annabelle film series. And at least for me, I think you agree. I, we thought this was the most fun of the Annabelles. Scary enough, but had a, a great vibe. It moved quickly, and I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, I think for me, too, the, the scariest single scene in any of the Annabelle films is in this one, even though it's not really that particularly scary of a film. But it's when uh, Ed and Lorraine, of course, their car breaks down directly next to a big old cemetery where all of the, you know, all of the fog is rolling out and then Annabelle is in the backseat and, and Lorraine just hear people say, I like your doll. You know, there's nobody's that. I think it is what is my favorite scene in any of the Annabelle films. It's it's just so old school and creepy. Um, and then what I love about the movie is that it, it's such a haunted house film. It's like every room in the house is haunted by something else and there's something else that's fun going on. And also what I like about it Besides McKenna Grace, who plays uh, Judith and is Judy, it is just she's such a really, really good performer in everything she's in. I thought she really elevated this film. But the film is so forgiving of all of the characters. You don't hate anybody. You hope everybody gets out okay, And and I love that. Right. And that's really well done, especially when it comes to the friend who uh, ends up letting Annabelle out because you it's really set up for you to hate her. I mean, she comes over and just ignores all the warnings and, you know, sets everything in motion. But the script does a good job of making you feel for her and you don't hate her. So, yeah, I agree. And I think it the uh, especially the um, the scenes, the set pieces with the friend inside the spooky room are really done well as far as things that she's seeing, like on the screen that aren't really happening yet and, and, and things that are moving without without uh, anyone moving them. I think those the scenes in there are really done well, too, and it's got some nice, tense tension to it and some comedy relief with that boy that comes over. He's a goof. <laughs> and the pizza guy. <laughs> this is such a cool movie. Uh, it was so hard for me to really navigate which Annabelle movie that I wanted on my list, and I was really relieved when I saw that this one was on your list because that means that we get to talk about both of these movies. And just like you guys said, this is a fun movie. It has a little bit of everything, and I especially love how when we go down into that locked room that you, we kind of get more further exploration of all these items that we really haven't focused on so much before. And what's with that color wheel? That thing's awesome. Yes, it is awesome. No, you're right. I mean, that room is so cool. And you know, who knows how many of those items are consistent across all of the conjuring films, but some of them are, I mean, you know, you've seen some of them before and then all, all of a sudden they have a personality and a ghost behind them. And it was so much fun. This movie breaks one of my biggest rules in horror, and it's a personal rule. And Hope, I don't know, I think maybe you've even talked about this before when you guys talked about The Grudge, but when you're in bed under your covers, that's supposed to be like the safe zone. So I knew whenever we saw this in theater opening night, whenever she's in the bed and we kind of, you know, the color wheel is going and then we hear creepy noises, she starts to look under the covers. I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no way. That's the safe zone. This isn't (laughs) happening. And sure enough, it does. (laughs) It's not fair. And I remember, I think we talked about this when, right after we saw it, was the fact that we were so surprised it was rated R because of the age of the characters involved might attract maybe a younger and wider audience. But apparently the filmmakers, especially the the director, uh, Gary Dauberman, and this was his debut, I believe, as a director, thought that rated R was what the audience expected from this universe and would be disappointed if it wasn't. But really only, I think it's just one F-bomb is really the only thing that qualifies it really for being R. Well, I mean, they probably call it just for pervasive terror. 
um, you know, it is pretty, there's a lot, there's a lot of scary stuff, but I agree with you. I mean, I don't come away from that movie thinking to myself, I saw an R-rated movie because it just, it's, yeah, the kids are young. It's fairly wholesome, really. And we've got the next edition, the next, uh, it'll be the 10th film, right, in the Conjuring universe, The Devil Made Me Do It. That's coming later this year. Is that right? Fingers crossed. All right. So we'll see what that's rated and how that turns out. Um, from the files of Ed and Lorraine Warren, and get on it, Tangina. You could be the next one up. So that's our number three, Annabelle Comes Home from 2019 on her list of creepy-ass dolls in horror. Moving up to our number two before we agree on number one. And I remember this one very well back when I was a kid. This is from 1978. A ventriloquist is at the mercy of his vicious dummy while he tries to renew a romance with his high school sweetheart. It's magic. You do magic, too? Corky does magic. I only do tricks. There's never been a magician like him. How long you been like this, kid? You never really told why you were here. Hiding. Wasn't that cheap in New York? You want success, but you're afraid of it. I was afraid of success. Like you said, I needed to get my hair on straight. And now you're fine? Sure, on account of Ted. I've known him ever since high school. I... I figured I'd have a chance with the hands. Don't pay hands. No, please let me follow wherever you go. Oh, please don't kill her. No, I can't do it. I won't do it. You can't beat me. This is the one that I remember the trailer just setting off a lot of angry parents. You hear this on the news because you had a creepy doll face. You know, they used the uh, the ventriloquist doll fats in the ad and just made it really, really creepy. And a lot of people just complained that that was going to scare kids about the doll, which, of course, only gave the movie more free publicity. <laughs> and I'm sure it did probably scare kids. I mean, I imagine it did. I also love that the doll's name is Fats, but the, the guy's name is Corky. Because I think, like, the whole time growing up, I thought the doll was named Corky for some reason in my head because it's not a normal name for a man. It's a normal name for a doll. I apologize to anybody named Corky. Movies that came out in the 70s, horror films that came out in the 70s, sometimes call me Richard Attenborough directed this and then directed Gandhi next. It just is so funny to me. William Goldman, who wrote All the President's Men and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and The Princess Bride, wrote this movie about about a creepy ventriloquist doll. Well, I think because a lot of more maybe back then with the studios were wheeling and dealing with some of these uh, some of these offers and who got to do what. But I think Richard Attenborough directed this in or as a favor. He said, if you if I get Gandhi, I will do this for you. I think it was one of those deals. <laughs> one for me, one for you deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Anthony Hopkins is the star as Corky, who gets to date Anne Margaret, who I'm sure was everybody's dream girl at the time. And then Burgess Meredith. That's the other one. I love the Burgess Meredith kill in this movie. I love him in this movie. I love when Burgess Meredith is in horror films anyway. He should have done many, many more. I uh, I loved him in The Sentinel. He was my favorite thing in The Sentinel. Yeah, because he almost has a William Hickey voice. It's close. You know? Yeah, yeah, a little a, bit. It's a little, it's a little weird in the way he says things, like like he, when he's talking to uh, Corky, and you're telling me you're all right now. Yeah, it's it's cartoonish a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I just this movie is is um, I mean, dumb. <laughs> Sorry, but but it, you know, a lot of these movies are dumb. I mean, that's the funniest thing I think about about all of these films about doll horror generally is that there is something inherently creepy about these dolls but it, it it only carries a film so far eventually it just sort of intersects with absurdism it's absurd that we're afraid of these small things that are inanimate it, whether they actually aren't like puppet master they are actually moving about on their own 
with leeches in their bellies or whether they are, in fact, just killing you because there is a, a sick person who is killing you by way of the doll. Either way, there is a silliness and an absurdity about it that I think makes them a little more memorable. Well, and one of the things for this movie specifically is that the movie never really tells you just what is going on. Is it the fact that Corky is schizophrenic and acting out these things through Fats, or is Fats actually possessed? And part of that is because there's a there's a quick scene in the movie where Fats is, I think his eyes move without Corky being around. And they explained, uh, they made a short, a behind-the-scenes short that they included in the DVD in 2006, and they explained that that was just a mistake and Richard Attenborough liked the way it looked, and he left it in. But that just that a little mistake like that brings up all sorts of fan theories. Well, plus there is a last. I mean, I always hate. I think I'm giving away a spoiler for a movie that's almost 50 years old now. But you know, there is the, there's a last scene in the entire film. The last voice you hear suggests that maybe Corky wasn't just a ventriloquist doll. And we'll leave it at that. This is another movie that you guys brought to my attention, and I'm ashamed to say I hadn't seen it until it was on your list, but it's one that I was always aware of. I remember back when Blockbuster Video was a thing. Remember that? (laughs) (laughs) I was in the store, and they had it for sale uh, back on VHS, and I did not pick it up for whatever reason. I think mostly because... At that point, I hadn't realized the thing that you guys said a couple of shows ago where you're like, how many movies is Ant- or how many horror movies is Anthony Hopkins in? I didn't realize it was a horror movie. Ah, and it's no surprise when looking at the even the, the trailer that they specifically designed the doll to look like him because it does. And he, of course, being Anthony Hopkins, uh, he trained as a ventriloquist at the time. And he he took the doll. He took the doll home to work with it. But apparently he got very freaked out by having that doll in his house, and he called his uh, consulting ventriloquist in the middle of the night, threatening to throw it into the canyon if someone didn't come and pick him up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and another interesting thing about the casting of Anthony Hopkins, years later a story came out that Gene Wilder, I guess, was considered for this part and really, really wanted it. But the producers were adamant that a comic actor not take it because they didn't want it confused with a comedy at all but then in later interviews gene wilder said that he thought it would have worked much better with a comedian in the role can you imagine gene wilder in this part no actually i mean uh you know and and maybe it's just my deep deep fondness for anthony hopkins but i have to agree i feel like it would have we would have come at it like it was a comedy and it really wasn't Burgess Meredith's part he was kind of funny but i think overall the the main character needs to not be funny oh yeah totally agree And that is number two from 1978, Magic, on our list of creepy, horrific dolls. So it takes it up to our number one, and this is Dave's number one as well, proving that great minds indeed think alike, at least for one time on this countdown. (laughs) And anybody that saw this topic probably thought immediately of this movie, and you're right, it's a single mother giving her son a much sought-after doll for his birthday, only to discover that it is possessed by the soul of a serial killer. From 88, the original Child's Play... Nobody believes you about Chucky. He came alive in my hand. I, I, I... Oh, for God's sake. Why won't you believe me? Because I'm sane. This is Barkley. Sane and rational. No one believes the truth. <laughs> or lives to tell it. There's nothing nice about murder. Murder. <laughs> 
there's nothing innocent about child's play. Directed by Tom Holland, not Spider-Man, <laughs> just a few years after doing Fright Night and bringing back Chris Sarandon. This is such an iconic movie. It was a no-brainer to put it at number one for my list, and I was so happy to see that it was number one on your list. Actually, to be honest, number one on my personal list is the Homer Simpson crusty doll from <laughs> Treehouse of Horror that is based on Child's Play, where he turns around the back and said, oh, it was just, it was just set to evil. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great honorable mention. <laughs> That's a great honorable mention. But yeah, this is uh, this is probably the the standard bearer for creepy dolls. It was certainly the most successful, I think. I mean, it spawned how many? We've had sequels, and then we had the reboot here a few years ago. Part of it is because in the personality grew over time, and kind of in the way that um, Freddy Krueger's personality grew over time over su- successive installments. But Chucky's personality is just so larger than life, and it and it just suits that creepy doll, like the shock of red hair and the freckles on his face, and that terrible bib overall stripey outfit that he's wearing. It's so it's such a funny contrast with the personality that it develops. And really, I, I mean, I sort of feel like we could have picked almost any of the movies in this franchise you know if you like the first child's play then i feel like there there aren't going to be any in this franchise you don't like to some degree i mean they still have his personality driving a lot of what's going on i mean the first one is always the one that you you go to first and in this case i think it's because it takes itself a little bit more seriously and uh, and it's not intentionally funny ever and it does actually, surprisingly enough, it gets off some decent scares. Part of it, it is not so much because the doll is scary as it is because there's a child who's in jeopardy the whole time, right? And there's not really anybody helping him because Chris Sarandon is sure that this little boy <laughs> is the killer. Right. So it's like the child is in jeopardy in every which way. So you feel bad for the mom because it's like, and then she's, when she finally, which is really a great scene. You know it's coming when the doll just sort of comes to life in her hands. It's the kind of thing that you always wanted to see in Toy Story, and then finally, it's 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 really it's it's mimicked when he when he finally shows himself to Sid next door when Sheriff Woody shows himself to Sid next door as being a live doll is is a an homage to this particular scene. It's really very effective. I mean, for a film that is about an annoying as hell doll who kills people, this one is pretty creepy, and a lot of it is because of Brad Dorif. Oh yeah, great voice performance and. I also love, it's funny when you say that, it reminded me of the line in the trailer where the voiceover says, murder isn't nice. Really? <laughs> no, it's not, it's not fun at all. Yeah, Brad Dorff does a fantastic job. It's one of the things I think that really, as we've talked many times about voice performances, you can't just dial it in. I mean, it's, it's still a performance, and his really is, and it really makes the movie. It does. I was kind of, I mean, I was disappointed in the reboot, and one of the reasons that I thought I would not be was because Mark Hamill um, was doing the voice of Chucky, and he is a great voice actor. He was the Joker. I know that you love that, Dave. He was the Joker oh, in the animated know, series and is so great. He really is, but Brad Dourif just, I think it, it's almost like Brad Dourif is not acting, like because he is Chucky, right? He, he's done Chucky for so many films, and if you take that out of the mix, as we've clearly seen, it kind of changes the whole feel. Mm-hmm. And I know with the remake, that's what they were going for, right? They were they were updating the movie, you know, definition of a remake. They were trying to make it make sense to the audience today, something we can relate to. But we're talking about Brad Dourif in his prime, literally just a couple of years before he does Exorcist Three. This is a near perfect movie. Yeah, agreed. And the, the actually the one of the original plot ideas was to have 
the good guy dolls be lifelike that had blood and latex skin so if the kids played too rough they would bleed and then the kids could go out and buy official good guy bandages and that led to Andy making a blood brother pact with Chucky and mixing the blood and that causes him to come alive that was an early draft who would buy that doll you would just be such a mess tear his skin and make him bleed (laughs) (laughs) clean up in the living room Uh, number one child's play from 1988 on our list of creepy horrific dolls actually and that should we should mention if we haven't there's a new creepy killer doll movie out right now yeah betty loves you we just watched that we just watched that recently and it's a it's a plush toy they say it's a teddy bear but it's clearly a rabbit so i'm not sure why they do that but it's um and it's not brilliant but it was fun and and the way that they have the doll come to life they just toss it around and it's got like throwing stars and things like that it is pretty funny and it's better than spiral All right, that's our list, our combined list of creepy, horrific dolls. A little bit of Dave's, a little bit of ours, and then they came together to make a good one. Thank you so much, Phantom Dark Dave. What do you got uh, working on right now? What's coming up, and where can we find you? Well, thank you guys for having me on here. Uh, It's been a little bit since I talked to you, so congratulations on surpassing 200 episodes. Bravo. Oh, thank thank you. you. But uh, if you guys want to uh, see what I'm up to, the best thing to do is just find me on Twitter. My handle is at Dave underscore Phantom. I am a part of the SIP network that stands for Slightly Irregular Podcast Network. You can always see uh, where I lend my voice there. And you can just come over and talk movies with us. All right, fun. Well, just in the last few weeks now, as theaters are getting back open across the country, we got some good news from our home away from home here in Columbus, Ohio. The Gateway Film Center, they are opening Again, for for full operations, Memorial Day weekend, and that means we can get back to doing Fright Club Live. Yeah, there's no confirmed film or podcast topic as of yet, but our hope is to take up our regular slot the second Wednesday of June and have a live broadcast. I'm super excited to do that. I am too. So that means I guess we're open open for topic ideas. And we have gotten all the way almost to the end of this podcast, and I have not even mentioned the Fright Club Podcast Facebook group. So ring the bell, ring the alarm, because I'm mentioning it now. And we're getting more, getting uh, actually a lot more members now. It's a lot of fun. So please, if you'd like to uh, be a part of it, we'd love to have you. Just send a request on Facebook. Again, it's Fright Club Podcast group on Facebook. So we'll definitely have more information about that. Uh, If you're in the area at all, we'd love to see you back for Fright Club Live at Gateway Film Center. And hopefully, if things go well, we'll just continue as we did with once a month, usually the second Wednesday of every month, uh, a new movie and a new topic and a new podcast. And uh, so it should be fun. So until then, looking forward to uh, hearing from you. If you want to have some ideas on uh, creepy dolls that we missed or anything that we got wrong, we always love to keep your conversation going. You can find us on Twitter. That is at Fright Club Pod. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website is madwolf.com. So until next time, Dave, thank you again. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Anytime. And she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Dave, take us out. Stay frightful, my friends. <laughs>